Welcome to Unapologetically Abundant Podcast. I'm your host, Petya Kolibová, that love coach who helps corporate women who have been pushed down and back due to traumatic relationship or childhood trauma in their past, which has caused them to see themselves not in a bright light that makes them people please and not show up the way they know they are capable of showing up. My mission is to help women who are on the path to heal from their past wounds, move through their limiting beliefs and internal blocks so they can guide other women through online coaching, which is that deep down what they are feeling they really want to do instead of sitting in their corporate job. Each week I will be offering an interview or an idea that will support you to leave behind what isn't serving you anymore and create a life filled with freedom, abundance, and purpose. No more hiding, no more waiting. The time to take care of yourself, to uplevel your life is now. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Unapologetically Abundant Podcast. I almost forgot to hit recording because I was having so much fun with today's guest, Jessica Daly, that I almost forgot about you guys, but you know, you're always on my heart. So I'm going to press the record and we are going to be start sharing with you. And I'm super excited to share Jessica with you because we connected on Instagram and you know, that's like my favorite place to be. So if you're not following me there or Jessica, we will leave our handles in the show notes so you can start stalking us and supporting us or whatever you want to do. But I really loved connecting with her and especially because of her mindset. She has really strong mindset. Let's put it this way, diamond, right? Diamond mind. And she's not only, you know, successfully embracing a motherhood, she's an incredible wife, but she's also such an empower of women that I just got to have her here. Jessica, thank you so much for creating the time to be here today. Oh, thank you. I'm so honored to be here. I seriously am just so thankful. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Like I said, we were having like so much fun that I'm like, okay, we're going to start recording but I will be talking here for like an hour because I truly believe that once you become unapologetically you, you start attracting people who are like you and you don't have to explain yourself. You just click. It's all about the energy. So, um, before we will like jump in and I know that you listen to my podcast so you know I I love asking my (laughs) my guest a special question so if I have your permission could you please just for just a brief moment just close your eyes to relax take a deep breath and now imagine because we are coming into the spring and it's beautiful weather everywhere imagine that you just took time just for yourself just for you you are walking through a beautiful enchanted park everything is blooming everything it's smelling so fresh and nice and sweet and as you're walking there and the sun is shining you see the little birds singing and washing themselves in a little birdie shower. And you're smiling and you're feeling so on purpose and so relaxed. And as you're walking, you see a bench there. So you sit there, you relax. And as you relax there, there's a little girl who walks towards you. 
and she brings you like this beautiful bouquet of wildflowers. She gives it to you and she say, here you go, beautiful. Who are you? What is the one thing you would like this little girl to know about you? Not what do you do, but who you really are. Oh my goodness, you just painted like the most magical little scene. <laughs> and I almost forgot we were doing we're live, like oh, like on this video. Okay, so I would say the first thing that came to my mind was happy, that I am happy. Mm -hmm. uh, that's something that I would definitely tell her is that I am a happy person and that I am full of love. Do you want me to expand off of that? You can, you can. Like I was just taking the one thing, but but please expand on it. Okay, so I, I chose that because there was a time in my life where I didn't feel happy. I didn't even really know what that meant. So that's who I am today is that I am a life lover and I am a very happy person. Mm. Even though sometimes I can, you know, have a little setback, a little hiccup, stumble a little bit, I can still find my way back very easily and not stay in that place of, of, uh, of sadness. I, the happiness overcomes me overwhelming emotion so that's what I would say to that little girl I love it and and it's so fascinating because like you said before we before I hit the recording you said we have so many similar things like we truly see the the world in similar lenses and when you now said the uh, lover of life that's who I truly feel that I became you know I was just like surviving and dragging myself and then when um, I used to have a coach and she asked me once, like, why do you even get up? Like, what gets you out of the bed? You know, and I realized that I get up because I, I truly love life. I want to live. Like, I don't want to die. So like seeing that contrast, it's so powerful. And so I, I want to go a little bit, you know, um, back because you mentioned and I truly believe that we all went through some phases of life that we weren't happy. But can you bring us a little bit back into why, why you were not happy, why you were not in love with life? Okay, so I'll just dive a little, a little bit into that. Uh, while I survived through uh, childhood trauma, uh, sexual abuse by my biological father, earliest memories up until age 13 then I also had uh was raped when I was uh 11 and then sexual assault into my teen years so I have a lot of sexual trauma a lot of things happen uh, a lot of uh, horrible thoughts cross my mind self-harm and uh not wanting to live not feeling like anybody cared for me uh and, and just feeling completely helpless. So being in that space, and then we can go on for a long time talking about this, but I just wanna push through it and just share that piece of it of why I was in that dark place was because of that trauma that had happened. Uh, so yeah, that's... That's the short version. <laughs> that's the short version. I don't wanna expand off of that, but yeah, that's, that's it right there. It's so powerful because, you know, I truly believe that when we are kids, that's when we are creating our world and we are making the meaning of, of who we really are. And when we are kids, if we are not feeling safe for whatever reason, if there is physical abuse, mental abuse, sexual abuse, it, I feel like it really like rips us apart like who we really are because we don't feel safe. We don't feel loved and protected. And now you're mommy. So you know that when little babies don't feel loved, 
they die, like literally die. And it's so fascinating because I have a dear friend, um, you know, Marcia in, in Australia, she's a coach herself. And one day we were doing video call, like our mastermind and we we're talking and she said, Oh, my baby, it's not feeling well today, but he's like, she just gave a birth like a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So as she's holding it, she was like, but he will be okay. He just needs the love, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like so fascinating. Don't we all need the love? So I wonder, Jessica, like, how did you, how did you, how were you able to heal that? How are you able to overcome that? Because I truly believe that it's so challenging when you don't have the foundation of feeling loved and feeling protected. It's like you don't have the foundation. How can you build up on it when it's crumbling down? Right. And um, I, I love what you said about the love and something to also add a layer to that is it wasn't healthy love. So I didn't really know what that was. And I was searching for without consciously realizing it. And so I would find it and, you know, I, I was, I was the girl who always had a boyfriend, you know, and (laughs) okay, yes, (laughs) guilty. And it just, it it was not a good, healthy thing for me to go through. So always looking for that love. Uh, I was very fortunate to find my husband. So he was a peer. He was someone who I believe that people uh, are put in your lives for a certain time and, and reason and and he was placed in my life at a certain time where I wanted to take my life. And I was doing that without really thinking I was trying to do that. I was self-medicating with drugs, you know, and I just want to be happy. That's what I kept saying. I just want to be happy. So I was in that place. So my husband was one of the first steps was, uh, you know, I met him when I was 14. It was off and on with him, but then I had let him know what's going on. And he helped me through that process. It was very hard. So I would say the first step would, would be the peer support, my husband and also my best friend. And knowing that it wasn't my fault, which I hadn't yet realized. And so, cause I kept blaming myself. So the next step to it was uh, therapy, but I hadn't come to that part yet. I was sort of thrown into that once I decided that I needed to make the phone call to protect my sisters because they were now subjected to what I had gone through. So I made the phone call and that just started, it opened up the floodgates to things that I couldn't control happening next. Uh, One thing I could control though was whether or not I was going to participate in talk therapy. So I did that and I'll tell you that was, that was really rough because I remember sitting in my, in my car going, okay, this is okay. I'm good. I was nervous, but like, I'm going here. This is going to be a good thing. I need to go. So I, I walked in the doors. I, then I walked out after the session worse than I had ever felt in years. I sat in my car and I cried and I'm like, why am I going to do this? Why am I putting myself through this? I feel worse. If this is going to be like every session, this is not helping me. So I sat there and I'm like, something was telling me you need to, it was myself, you know, saying you need to do this. There's a reason why you are here. There's a reason why you drove here today and walked in that door, write down the reasons why. So luckily I had my little glittery purple pen and my gel pen and I was 16 or 17 at the time. And I had my little notepad and I started writing down reasons. It was 13 reasons why I felt that I needed to be in therapy. And so I found this list just a couple of years ago and I met every single goal. It's amazing. Like it, it made me 
just so emotional to, and, and to read what I actually thought about myself. I had no confidence, so I wanted to have confidence in myself. I wrote that I wanted to love myself, that I wanted to be comfortable in my own skin and to feel okay, that I wanted to be able to help others one day. And the list, yeah, it was just, it was so awesome to see that. So that was another piece was the talk therapy really helped me get through that. But there was a point where with talk therapy, that I also had to understand that what my therapist was saying wasn't everything that was meant for me, that she is, she is a guide in my journey, that she is there to counsel me. Uh, so when she told me, you really need to end the relationship with your then fiance, now husband, because you are so young, you have so much healing to do, and you're not ready for this kind of commitment. But I knew in my heart that she was wrong, that she did not know this relationship, that he was my, you know, he was holding me up. He was the framework to my, my home, you know? So I knew that that wasn't right, but I still had this relationship with this therapist that I, I valued other things. And as long as for me, I understood that I'm going to hold true to the things that I know that are okay for me and that I'm going to seek her, her words as a guidance for me. So that really helped me through the process of, of talk therapy. And then after that, uh, it was just self-development with myself <laughs> because I didn't need, I was graduated, I guess, uh, you know, they gave my diagnosis or whatever. And, and then I was on my way. <laughs> so, um, yeah, just working through things with myself and then also talking, it really helped with, uh, actually you're going to laugh. So I have always wanted to tell my story out loud and I'm like, well, I'll take speech class. Oh, public speaking was like terrifying to me. So the first time I actually talked in public about my story was in speech class in college. And mind you, this wasn't that long ago because I had two kids. And <laughs> so I'm up there, these all, all these, you know, fresh out of high school kids, but I had picked the subject of, of sexual abuse and human trafficking. I was, I was really passionate about it. And when you're passionate about something, you have no trouble getting up there and talking about it because it's not, you're not doing it for you. You're not, the purpose isn't for you. It's for helping one person, you know? So that's what, that's I what I love this so much. And, you know, um, I just love it. Like right here, would you just sat? It's something that I won't really women to hear because you know i i work with coaches or I, I just work with women who want to create an impact and very often they are still in the stages like should i do this should i say this and when you're doing it about yourself then you're nervous when i hosted my first live event meant for more last year in april i had no freaking idea what am i doing never hosted an event Mind you, I never took any speech classes. I think I went like to one Toastmaster and I decided I don't like them. So I'm like, I'm not doing this. And when I like stood in front of 80 women and I'm standing there, I just took a deep breath and I realized, Petia, this is not about you. This is for them. This is for them, not for you. You're not here to value yourself. I'm good. Like, I don't need that external validation anymore. I'm here to show women what's possible when you step into your own power. So when you do you and when you do it for others, but from place of love, not fear, when you don't do it from scarcity or I need the validation or I need to look good, whatever it is, then like you said, it just flows. It, you're just the conduit. So I really acknowledge you for that. There must, it must be hard. 
like stand in front of people being, you know, in, in college and sharing your story and your truth and your perspective, that must be challenging. I wonder what was the, the feedback from the people? Everybody was very quiet. Uh, I was very emotional because I wasn't like a rock star status. I mean, I was when I think back on it, but I was, you know, my hands were sweating and they judged you like, you know, my teachers watching my feet, what I do with my hands and everything. So all that's in the back of my mind, but I just want to make sure my message was clear. And yeah, the audience was uh, very quiet. My friend was sitting in the front row. I had practice in front of her, so she knew what was going on. And then she just followed me out. And I just, you know, I, I cried because it was very emotional to be doing something like that. But when I came back in, everybody, I had a few people after, after class actually come up to me and, and thank me for sharing my story. I had one girl tell me that her too, but she's, you know, not able to, she's not able to tell anybody just yet. So she admired the fact that that had happened. And that really fueled me to keep going because seeing that there's people out there that are keeping it a secret still, that they think that they can uh, be okay and they can fix themselves is what I hear. And I just want people to know that you're not alone and that it's not your fault that you didn't ask for it. That's really my underlying message when I share my story is that, hey, you're like, you're going to be good. You're going to, you can get through this, but you got to work through it. You can't keep pushing it down. So yeah, it's always interesting when I tell my story, I always have somebody come up to me and share something. That's so powerful, Jessica. I, I love that, you know, and I love that your like last thing that you have done was the self-development because anything and everything that we do in life always goes back to self. That's mm -hmm. where it starts. That's where it ends. And sometimes it's so easy to see it in others, you know, when you're empowering or speaking to others or coaching others it's easy to see that it's easy because you have the perspective you're you know back you're not in the emotional but when the women they're living through that they're still in it they didn't heal they didn't share it's it's dark it's dark so what in your self-development really help you would you say like what were the most important things reflecting, looking back and, and because for me, I'm really good at uh, pretending like things never happened. That's, I think that's a, a skill almost that when you go through trauma that you do, you, it's like it never happened. You block it. Yes. Yeah, so, so dipping back into that stuff and looking at it and taking it and going, okay, like this is, this is what you chose to do. This is just like my, when I went through drugs and lucky for me, I don't have an addictive personality. Like I could quit like that. And I was good. My husband told me, he's like, listen, Jess, you need to stop doing this or we can't be a thing. I stopped that day. That was it. It was, that was it for me. So that's all it took. Now I'm going to lose the love of my life or because I didn't realize that that was, I was so in my own, you know, head about just wanting to be happy. But yeah. then knowing that he made me the happiest is all I needed. Mm. Uh, so that, I think that's the most important thing for me when I was self-development, even to this day is reflection. And if I don't have that time to reflect, I'll have, uh, I actually just had this happen to me recently. I'm, I'm a guidance counselor at a of high school for at-risk youth of not you know they're at risk of not graduating they all have a story all these babies have a story and I was sitting in a group session we had and I absorbed like a sponge everything of course and I didn't have time to wring myself out 
I jumped into something right away, jumped into another thing, another thing. And then I got in the car and I was just, and I was crying over a data report. And I'm like, why am I, I could care less about data. <laughs> why am I crying over a data report? And then it hit me. I'm like, you didn't have time to reflect. You didn't have time to think about things and then dump it out. It was like, so just so knowing my like that. What's the process? I, I wonder what's the process of the reflection, you know, because sometimes like for each person, it can mean something different. What do you do to reflect? Oh, that's a great question. So for me, uh, I, I have to look at the thing because in my position, I can't help everybody. I want to help everybody. I want to solve everybody's problems. I want to make it all better. I can't. So I, I have to look at what I, what just happened and say, okay, here's what happened with this person at this time, what can I do? What can I control? And then it's breaking it down. It's always breaking it down. And my degree is in occupational therapy. And that's what we do. We, t we break it all the way down as, as much as we can. So that's what I do. That's what helps me is to, is to break down the situation down to the, when it's nothing, <laughs> like it's all gone. My whole uh, scenario and situation with this client or the student is now good. I, I've separated it. It's like this in my mind, I'm putting them in files and putting them away. It's, that's, I hope I explained that well, but for me, my brain just goes crazy because I, I, I will go crazy when I have that on my heart and that I cannot help this person. So I have to figure out and be okay with, that's another key point. I have to be okay with not being able to save them because it's beyond my control. And mm -hmm. if it's beyond my scope, I'm going to find the door to the person that can help them. So funny. I was, it's so interesting today. I was reading a, a book from Abraham Hicks and what they said there, there was like one line that was like bold at, and it says, stop saving the world, save yourself. Mm -hmm. Because when you can take care of you fully, then you are able to help others, but not the other way around. When we're trying to help everybody, then we help no one. So I, I love that. And I, I know that, you know, right now you're in a place that you truly are fulfilled and happy in your life. So what are some of your like daily rituals that are your must that besides the reflection, but it can include it, but what are your daily rituals that are non-negotiable that you get to do to keep that peace and happiness? Coffee. Coffee is my number one favorite thing. If it's like, it, it should replace the blood that runs through my veins. It just brings so much joy to me. I love coffee so much. So that is a ritual in my morning. My husband's amazing. He, he knows I love to sleep. So uh, that he always brings me my, he gets up first, he brings me a cup of coffee in the morning so I can wake up feeling fresh. <laughs> so that's, a, that's one of my rituals that starts my morning off joyful. My other thing is being able to give my kids love in the morning. My son, it's very hard because he still sleeps and he's 13 now and he goes to school later before I have to be at the door and be at work by 7:30. So I'm I'm out, but I I want to be able to give my kids love because we're working and we're so busy. That's uh, one of my main things that brings me joy and and fills me up for my day is to make sure that my kids feel loved and I give them that mommy mommy vibe and then my other thing would be the reflection for sure because that keeps me mentally healthy uh what else hmm. my tea at night because i can't really drink 
coffee <laughs> at night. So I'm actually having my tea right now. Uh, so that um, having family dinner is also. We're doing cacao. Yes. Cheers. Cheers, <laughs> girl. Ceremonial cacao right here. Yummy. Um, yeah, so dinner at the table is very important with the family. My husband just retired as a, uh, from the fire department, so it's been a, an adjustment here. So we've had some changes. Uh, he's been packing lunches. So our, I'm actually going through a transition. So things are changing. I'm actually working on a morning routine, which mm -hmm. is which I've been seeing your stuff, which I'm loving. I'm like, I feel like that was meant for me. <laughs> it's all for you. I created it just for you, honey. Yes. <laughs> Make sure to, uh, I will send you the link if you didn't get it yet. I have like a freebie for morning routine. Oh, really? Like, yeah, like 15 okay. minutes, like all you need. So uh, right. I will send it to you too because it's really powerful. Like you can always expand on it, but I truly believe that we get to have at least like 15 minutes for ourselves. And when we do that, everything else becomes so much easier. So I, I love that creating morning routine. It's for me, it's non-negotiable. It, mine, it's usually like an hour or two, but I don't have babies yet. And I usually don't work before 10 a.m. or 11 a.m. unless I have a clients there abroad, you know, like I have clients in Australia or Europe. So yeah. Mm, okay, that. I'm definitely gonna need that. I've been working on that. That's something that I've been working on with my community. I'm like, let me know what you guys do for your morning routine because I'm struggling a little bit. So I can my morning thing is like cold water in the face is my coffee. But man, I love my pillow. I will. <laughs> I am. A, I'm most productive at night. I am yeah. a night owl. I can stay up and get so much work done and ideas flow. Then morning, I'm like, man. Yeah, I, I love that. Um, so one last thing, Jessica, for the women who are still healing, you know, after abuse or after, you know, like, like I said, mental, physical or sexual abuse, what is the one thing that you would like, what's on your heart? What would you like to share with her? The women who are still healing after trauma? You got this girl. You are an amazing, strong, beautiful, and just amazing woman. And whatever it is that you went through, you did not ask for it. It is not your fault. And that, I mean, that's, that's the message right there for me that that helped me and guided me to where I am today, that everything's going to be okay. I always had that playing in my head since I was a little girl, is that everything's going to be okay. And it's going to be okay. Everything is going to be okay. And it's going to work out. I promise. It's so beautiful. And I truly wish that somebody would have told me, you know, 10, 20 years ago when I was going through my darkness, you know, and, and I was feeling so alone and isolated. So just sometimes having that light and hope and knowing that there is the light and you just got to keep going. I know I, I read a quote, like when you're going through the hell, just keep going. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's, that's what like kept me up, you know, like I gotta keep going. I just gotta keep moving. So Jessica, thank you so, so, so much. I'll make sure to share in the show notes, your Instagram, but is there any other like online favorite place you like to hang out with people? Uh, my Instagram and my Facebook, I have my Diamond community Facebook group. That's where I've been actually doing a lot of hanging out with my people over there. So yeah, yeah that's, that's where it's at right there. I love well, it. One more thing to add on to the people who are healing, uh, something that just popped up in my head is that 
uh, something that helped me is knowing that, yeah, it's going to be a hard journey. You're, but for me, the right decisions of the right way is always harder than the easier way. Like when it's easier, like I could have said, uh, I won't call and report my father. That was the easier thing to do and keep it in the family as I was told, but I pushed against it and resisted. And for that reason, my sister is sisters are, are great. So it was harder. Yes, but it was also the right thing to do. I love that. Thank you so much, Jessica. I really feel that it's super important because I feel like sometimes the, the easy way out, it's just the numbing and just like putting on band-aids instead of really going deep. And it's like, just rip it off. It will hurt. It will suck, but it will pass and heal faster. So that's really powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for having me on. I'm so, so, so excited. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.